you know, compared to how I used to travel around the country and do seminars. And I think of all the hard work and stuff, we did our first virtual conference a couple of weeks ago. And I told my team, I said, this is so much easier. This thing could totally bomb and it would be fine. We're not on the hook for a hotel with, you know, we pay $20,000 and we've flown all our team in there and have all the costs and billing the coffee out at, you know, whatever they do, $35 a gallon. <laughs> this is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 822. Today, we're chatting with Peter Conti. Welcome to the call, Peter. Hey, great to be with you, James. I've known you for a long time, and I haven't heard from you for a while, and then we've reconnected. So let's just get that story in there. (laughs) My first recollection of meeting you was my early years in the online space when I went to the United States for a conference, and you gave me a tip that I've used for at least the last decade. So I just wanted to thank you for that and I remember at the time you had been running conferences and recording information for your audience and you're predominantly been in the property side of things. Right. And you said to me, when you run events, chapterize them. You said, you know, have a specific session or segment, put the title slide for that, create your content around that and present that as your segment in the workshop so that then later you can take the recordings and you can sell them you can put them into an online version or whatever, and they're chapterized, ready to go. So you're basically doing the pre-work that saves you doing the post-editing or ending up with some, which I see a lot of actually, a lot of online marketers still haven't had this tip from Peter, and that is they're just recording a whole conference. So you see people bundling up, hey, you know, you get access to my full day workshop, and it's just like four hours or eight hours of rambling, incoherent audience participation, uh, presenter moving through his notebook, in a random fashion right? versus what I've always been able to create, which is chapterized content, thanks to your suggestion, and I uh, ended up selling DVDs. I've got all the recordings from Superfast Business Live in my Superfast Business membership, and they are by title and presenter. I actually speak to them before they come to the event to speak about who my audience is, what problem they need solved, what's going to be the appropriate level for them. I go through their presentation in advance. I make sure that it's exactly what I want. And then I stack the modules together over a couple of days at Superfast Business Live. And people come out of the event and they say, wow, it's like everything at this event is exactly what I needed right now. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Well, it's all in the research and in the pre-work and in the preparation of making it a logical stacked workshop with some planning in advance. So I just wanted to say thanks for that suggestion. I've been able to leverage that a lot. And hopefully someone listening to this is going to come away from that idea and implement it in their own business. Yeah, it's funny you say that, James. Just 10 minutes ago, I was talking to my right-hand guy, and uh, there's a negotiating workshop I did about 20 years ago where we did exactly that, and we're using it as a bonus to go along with one of my books now. So <laughs> you just never know, you know, if you have that stuff, when and where you can use it, and you can change the title of, you know, the whole thing and rebrand it, and you just have a lot of fun with information online. So it's great. If it's modular, you can wheel out a couple of modules and put in a few new ones and give it some new life. I actually have been using it as the basis for a new book where I basically built the keynote out with the same process. I come up with an overarching topic idea. I then build the chapters into the keynote and then I fill them out with the lessons Mm -hmm. and then I record it. 
And then the transcription is given to the person helping me write the book. And then that's turned into book chapters and so forth. So having that structure has been fantastic. And you can do a lot with a little if you plan it out that way. Now, I'm really curious to talk about two main things today because you can offer us a lot of intel and experience with your business knowledge. You've been online a lot longer than I have. You've been through many iterations of your business. So I'm curious from one online business owner to another, what does a seasoned online business look like for you and how did you get there? That's one major topic. The other one is a side note topic, and that is your personal challenge of being a successful business operator, then having a setback and then coming back from that. And you said to me just before we hit record on today's episode that you were listening to one of my previous episodes, the one with Marianne Kane about pain, and that actually resonated with you. And I was actually really pleased to hear that because sometimes when I'm recording episodes that go a little bit to the side of the strict business tactical stuff, I worry that maybe my audience aren't going to appreciate how important that is. And as you picked up in that episode, I feel that as an entrepreneur, our business is definitely going to be a reflection of our own personal well-being and our ability to perform and so forth. And for me, having that relationship with pain and talking about it, it's part therapy for me, it's part discovery, but it's also saying to other business owners, look, it's not always going to be a walk in the daffodil field. It's not going to always be easy uh, as an entrepreneur. And when these challenges come, and I go back to one of my absolute favorite episodes with Nam Baldwin, who shared a neat acronym. He said, it's normal to have these setbacks. We should expect it. We should then accept it. And then we should tidy up mentally is basically the extrapolation of that acronym. So why don't you combine these two topics into a pleasant podcast discussion for us today on what does your seasoned experience bring you to in today's online environment? And we've talked about your business privately, the fact that it is going well, that you are using certain tools and platforms for it. And then let's just talk about what recommendations you would have for others based on your own experience if things don't all go to plan. Sure. Yeah, my background is I started investing in real estate in 1990, started the info business in 1997. And eight years ago now, I was out riding a dirt bike, which I shouldn't have been doing in my 50s, should have listened to my wife. She said, you're going to get hurt. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Got the helicopter ride, shattered my hip, dislocated my femur. While they're working on me in the hospital, they crushed the nerve in my leg, which, you know, on a scale of one to 10 pain wise, it takes it up to about a 200 when that happens. And, uh, you know, I realized that I was in a position where, you know, when you're hurting in terrible pain every day, you just can't function. Sold off a bunch of real estate, sold my information company off to a, a business partner and focused on getting better. It was a long journey. In fact, I'm still healing to this day. But the uh, piece of it that makes it an interesting adventure was I decided I was going to hike the Appalachian Trail, which goes in the States from Georgia to Maine, 2,100, I think it's up to 190 miles, something like that now. And uh, I figured if I hiked 2,000 miles, my leg would have to be better. <laughs> so it takes most people five or six months. It took me 11 months, spread over a year and a half, and uh, end up hiking the whole thing. You know, I'm writing a book about it that is, you know, had a lot of funny stories and stuff along the way. But the thing that was interesting about that is because I had sold my company, you know, once I was done hiking, well, while I was hiking, I got to really think through 
how I worked with clients. And I had grown a big company and had 35 employees, 17 coaches working for me at one point. And I just really wasn't ever quite discontent with that. I would go to an annual conference and I some guy'd come up and shake my hand and say, Congratulations, you know, thanks so much, Peter. I, I just bought a two hundred unit apartment building. I didn't know the guy's name. I'm looking at his name badge to, you know, see who he is. He knew me. He'd watch my videos, he'd seen the modules, right? So, uh, but he worked with the coaches. And while I was hiking, I realized that some of the best fun I ever had was when I was working with people directly. So once I got done hiking and, you know, healthy enough where I could go back to work, I decided I was going to do something where not only I was working directly with clients, but I had this clear slate, right? I wasn't tied into, you know, you start using a certain like infusion soft we used to use. I hated it. I tried it once. <laughs> it's hard. Once you're using something, you know, it's hard to switch, right? So there's a pain of disconnecting. Yeah. And uh I tried out a number of different, you know, membership tools and things and just was kind of frustrated with them over a couple of years doing that. And then a friend of mine recommended 10X Pro, which uh she had been pushing me for probably six months. She said, Peter, this thing does it does everything. You have a great landing page and does your membership and you it's got a forum and it has everything all in one spot. And I just I don't know. You know, you get used to seeing so many sales pages that promise the world, right? And you wonder, well, is that really true? And uh, I finally tried it out and I was really, really pleased with it. I've been using it now for, let's see, maybe two, two and a half years, something like that. It has all of our membership stuff. We use it for landing pages. I mean, it'll do most anything. We need something real quick to put something up. We're able to just go in there and put it together. I like how it manages the members. I like that you don't have to you know, some of these sites, they get you going where you pay a small monthly fee because you only have, you know, 30 members to start. And then once you get up to 200, then you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize it would cost that much. So it's flat pricing and their support is great. And we've tied that together with Active Campaign. I mean, we use a lot of tools, but Active Campaign is probably the center. We kind of drive everything into Active Campaign. And the nice thing is when we have stuff go through our shopping cart, Active Campaign can just send a webhook to 10X Pro. It gives the person access to whatever, you know, we've got, I don't know, 30 different things in the membership area. So someone might get like my commercial dream team partners, they get access to seven or eight different things. And that's all they see in the members area. And it just all happens automatically, which is great. It's amazing that hand and glove relationship that 10X Pro has with the email provider. And it is a question I hear a lot because there's another platform out there where they do everything, including the email. But the downside is you start to have challenges in terms of email deliverability. You may not get the flexibility you need from the power of these very strong platforms like Active Campaign, Entreport, and Infusionsoft. They're the popular ones we see hooked up yeah. to 10X Pro. I use Entreport, use Active Campaign. John, the founder, uses Infusionsoft, but it deeply integrates. That's what I love about it, that you can fire off tags, you can control actions, you can send tasks into your CRM system, all based on user behavior of where people go or what you want them to do. It's unbelievably powerful, yet it can also be as simple as you want, like click one button, your whole campaign's deployed. And I just spent a little bit of time yesterday with John, the founder, showing me how to use 10X Pro instead of how I've been using my previous platform because I've got a legacy platform of a forum software, Zenforo, and I've been hacking that. I've been putting content into it. I've been putting courses. I've been putting discussions and I've been having it as a forum all in one place. Mm -hmm. But it does create a usability situation for members. They can get overwhelmed. And he's been showing me how to separate the courses out of that 
forum, how to separate the private pods out of the forum and put them into their own little products and how you can bundle that product so that you can have any number of combinations of what people buy and then they log in with the single sign-on and they get access to all their things displayed for them and you as the operator have one place to log in and manage all of that and to respond to questions. I can even do private coaching as a product. So now I could actually split my offering or bundle it but it's still in one place. It seems almost impossible that you can have so many unique items, but also have it in one place. Yeah. There's what's really nice is there's tools out there now that uh, like we're using Gusto, G-U-S-T-O for doing uh, payments and bookkeeping type stuff. I used to pay a person. I had a person on my staff, you know, now once a month I go in there, I pay my people that work for me and my contractors, my salespeople. It does all the stuff I don't like to do. I'm not, I don't like doing the, you know, the government paperwork and all that. So it's really nice. So many of these tools out there, they made it so much easier for us online entrepreneurs to have the lifestyle and freedom that we want, right? What do you do with your time? Just to, like when you go through a week, then this is sort of back to the, you know, obviously you went on a journey of reflection and you had time to think like I do. I've built a lot of white space into my week because I'm doing about 15 hours of scheduled calls like this podcast. Mm-hmm. But when I'm meditating, meditating on my surfboard, I'm thinking, you know what? There's a lot of stuff I just don't want to do anymore. I'm not interested in it. Don't want to do it. I just won't do it. There's things I do want to do. I do want to do these podcasts. I like talking to other entrepreneurs. I actually enjoy this. And I would probably talk to people like you for free anyway, even if I wasn't recording. So it's easy to flick on the camera and capture that and share it with others. I love the leverage of that. So I build in podcasts into my routine. And of course, I build in coaching. And like you said before, that's where you get this high level of actualization. It's when you can see your impact in others and they go off and do stuff. I was chatting to Tom Breeze last night, for example. I, I coach him and he's got this brilliant business and he came to me with his challenges, which he does every couple of weeks. And we just demolished him in 15 minutes and he went away with a spring in his step and he's going to go and do something great with that. So I feel good for him. Yeah. It's hard to explain, but I don't mind that one-to-one interaction. I don't mind spending that time. So my main two activities are create content, deliver coaching. I'm wondering what Peter's week looks like. Yeah. Well, we're up to six grandkids. So <laughs> well done. I'm actually right now, I'm 27 hours away from home driving distance, which that's changing. Hopefully, you know, airplanes will open up here again soon, but, uh, yeah, I've been actually been out here for about a month and a half to uh, spend with two of my grandkids. And uh, due to my injury, I spend probably not as much when I'm traveling, but on a regular basis, probably two and a half hours a day doing various forms of physical therapy. I walk in a therapy pool, I ride my bike, I do stretching and walking. And, you know, I mean, we need to get our exercise in anyways. So it's not like, you know, like I have to be doing that. I enjoy getting out and doing that. And, uh, about a year ago, I started a small group of commercial real estate investors and working with them directly. I've just been having a blast with that. Because I've been working directly with people right at the front lines, I've been able to go through and look at all of the things that they encounter. And I'm taking you know a lot of these new tools, a lot of which we developed through 10X Pro and some other services out there, and automating every single step I can of the investing process, everything from analyzing deals to writing contracts where you know I'm like, okay, great, write a contract. It takes you two minutes. Just go here, fill it out, fills in the PDF, creates it for you. What are you waiting for? 
So I'm trying to get the whole procrastination out of the real estate investing process because it can be scary for someone who hasn't bought real estate before, right? Yeah. It's obviously one of the largest transactions they're likely to have made up until the point where they do their first deal. Yeah. And I got an insight into some of the calculations. I watched the movie, I think it's called The Banker, uh-huh. about a couple of guys. They're buying residential buildings and providing housing for their community. And they were talking about the yields and what premium would be put on top. And they went into negotiation taxes. They put a little bit of detail into the movie, which I appreciated. Uh, and I think it must have been a bit harder in the 60s yeah. than it might be with today's tools, especially if you're arming people with a whole bunch of data based on your own transactions and the transactions of other students. That's really the power of being a coach, isn't it? You get access to a good sample size. We put together a CRM that does their marketing for them. What, it's interesting because you know years ago or when I was going up, it was more a matter of personal skills, right? Learning to create rapport and connection and go and meet with someone and shake hands and yep. get them to know, like, and trust you. And then they're going to maybe invest. You know, I, I help them to syndicate deals, for example, bring in outside passive investors. But then when working with these, you know, newer clients, I'm finding out that they basically tell me, no, I don't want to call anyone, right? So I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, how can I streamline the process for you? What type of a funnel can I create to make it where someone's instead of doing outbound calls, you've got inbound. Instead of outbound marketing, you've got inbound marketing. You've got people who are coming in, going through, for example, I created an investor funnel. You can't market directly for investors, but you can offer training. So I put together a training that shows people how to invest with their IRA. I don't know if you have something similar to that in Australia, but I put this together where it wasn't my voice. It wasn't my name on it. I had it in a woman's voice recorded. I license it to my clients where they can put that out using the marketing tools to reach out to potential investors in their market to say, would you like to learn how to do X? And as part of learning how to do X from them, it comes across as their name is on it. You know, the person thinks they created this content. We're currently putting doing the same thing with a newsletter that we're writing for them. So they get to publish their newsletter every month. It looks like they did all the work. They get to be the expert, but they create a relationship with these potential investors. And once they have a relationship, then they can open up using some other tools to, hey, here's a 20 unit property I bought. Would you like to invest in it? That type of thing. And uh, I just, I don't know. I love doing this. I tell my clients, I say, you know, you don't know how easy you've got it. I had to go and do all this the hard way. You've got it, you know, kind of all laid out for you here. So hope you appreciate it. You know, it's got a real Dean Jackson flavor about it with the syndicated newsletter and the tool sets that make it easy for them. This is great leverage. And the fact that you have made it a real business and separated your personality from it and made it a saleable asset, very clever, of course. What changes have you seen in the buyer's market or the seller's market with a pandemic and an election year last year? Is it super out of control? Is it crazy? Are people restless and sick of living in the same place? Are you mostly just doing commercial? I'm curious what insights you've seen out in the field. Well, as far as real estate goes, apartment buildings have remained strong. We're focusing on apartment, multi-unit, you know, apartment buildings, self-storage facilities, mobile home parks, office and retail is softening. I'm actually talking to you from an office that normally rents for $5,400 a month. I'm getting it for free because the WeWork place is having a hard time leasing space and they offered it for a month for me to come in and you know try and get me to stay here. 
Wow. So I have it for another couple of days. I didn't know if you're in an office or if it was a Zoom background because they're getting <laughs> so sophisticated these days. Yeah. But just as a side note, I promise you, I did not know what color shirt you were going to wear on this episode. I somehow matched my <laughs> surfboard. I changed it from a blue one last night to this yellow one. Oh, perfect. And it's just in perfect synchronization. Yeah. So it was meant to be. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in commercial office space, definitely. A lot of people working from home don't want to go back to work. Anecdotal evidence from my surfing friends, but I've also seen it in the press. And I imagine storage places, trailer parks, they would have to be a solid bet through any kind of rocky times. What's interesting is that I think because people are more working from home, they're realizing, hey, maybe I should do something on my own. You know, we've had just really a great year, a lot of interest in what we're doing. I think other people in the information industry I talk to that are in any type of a high ticket coaching funnel type thing are just doing just incredibly well right now. There's a lot of people that are looking to be in charge of their own life and not be dependent upon maybe a company that might be affected by the pandemic and leaving them wondering, you know, where they're going to make their next paycheck. So the pandemic, it's created more opportunities at both commercial investing. And then I think also from, uh, you know, compared to how I used to travel around the country and do seminars. And I think of all the hard work and stuff, we did our first virtual conference a couple of weeks ago. And I told my team, I said, this is so much easier. This thing could totally bomb and it would be fine. We're not on the hook for a hotel with, you know, we paid $20,000 and we've flown all our team in there and have all the costs and billing the coffee out at, you know, whatever they do, $35 a gallon. <laughs> Why didn't you move earlier on that? Was it because you didn't feel the market would accept it? Obviously, they had no choice in 2020. But I'm thinking back to about the same time I first met you, and I'm guessing it was maybe around 2009 or 2010. I was doing the occasional speaking and I'm like, this is so unleveraged and it's a pain in the butt. I've got to be away from home for a week anytime I go to the States. like I lose a day of travel there, a day of travel back. I have to sleep to wash off the jet lag. (laughs) And then I'm doing the hotels the whole time away and then all for 90 minutes and a lot of FaceTime, like networking with people. Yeah, I'm sort of at the point now when I go to a conference, I get exhausted from all the interaction because I'm so used to just sitting at home in my board shorts. Yeah. I spend the bulk of my time living in the same way that a lot of people have had to experience for the very first time last year, which is just chilling at home. And I'm really comfortable with that. Yeah. So why didn't you see that 10 years ago like I did? I'm just curious. A lot of times when we go through a change, it's something we're forced into, right? We might think we want to do something different, but if we get for, you know pushed or kicked... <laughs> And uh, what happened for me is when the real estate market crashed about then, 2008, 2009, we went from at our live seminars from seeing three to 400 people per weekend down. And we were doing those two, three, four weekends a month sometimes. So you talk about traveling and seminars. My wife said, you're never here. I'm like, what do you mean? I got home two days ago. She goes like, yeah, you've been lying around dead. No, from your stupid seminars. So what happened is we went from three or 400 people at an event and it got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. We got down to where we had like 20 or 30 people at an event. And I said, we're not doing this anymore. We switched over at that point in time to doing everything through webinars. I mean, it was a definitely a mix up. We went from a bigger company down to a smaller company. And then now that people are just so used to doing Zoom stuff and doing things online and whether it's uh, coaching or giving a presentation or talking to people or even you know meeting with someone about, hey, I'll buy your property. It used to be, well, great. Where are you? You know, where can we meet? Let's, you know, drive. And now it's like, how about if we meet on Zoom? Okay. You know? 
So it's been great. Has the technology uh, assisted? Like, do you get virtual walkarounds now? Like, do you need to see a property to buy it when you're a commercial investor? I admit I've purchased properties several times where I've never seen the property, you know, where I'm in a different place. Yeah. I've purchased in other regions, that, and you know, because I was treating it more logically than uh, emotionally at my stage. I'm wondering if other people still need to be sort of eyes on. Well, I'm fortunate enough that I partner with my clients. So I usually have a set of boots on the ground. Nice. But there's just so many services out there now where you can just hop online. You can hire a photographer to go do video of a property or drone footage or, you know, find out stuff that, you know, you used to go and do it yourself. And, uh, you know, you can find somebody for very little money that just gets the job done faster and quicker than you could do it yourself. So why not do it from home? Nice. One of my photography, uh, or he's like a architectural photographer clients. He's using 10X Pro as well. And he actually has this imaging process where they can just basically photograph the whole building in 3D for potential buyers. Oh, wow. Seems like a fascinating service. So yeah. we're moving more into a augmented world, I suppose. Yeah. Pokemon Go is a good insight into what's possible. Yeah. But I imagine we're close to putting on the headset and being there without being there. Yeah, we use uh, virtual staging now so we can take a property, photographs. If you know to look for it, you can tell that it's been virtually staged. Right. If you don't know it ahead of time, you look at it and it looks like a photograph taken with all nice furniture and furnishings and the flowers and paintings and everything up on the walls. And it was just a empty photo of a room that they digitally put all the stuff in there. Why not? It's like when I watched the Formula One on the TV, they've got their sponsors embedded into the guardrails and the, you know, the ground. Same with uh, other sports. Uh-huh. They can overlay and change you know, elements of the scene. So we're seeing a mashup. Very interesting. And, and I imagine the staging and the styling and design is really going to appeal to that emotional side of our brain and make it, you know, very attractive and make us want it. Because I know when I look at Airbnbs, for example, the ones that are really well styled, you just want to stay there. You could overlook a lot of other things, yeah. like where it actually is and all of that. <laughs> so a couple of other questions. So do you still have a dirt bike? No. No, the dirt bike got sold. I tried not to limp when I, so I actually had two of them. (laughs) It's very common. I often see advertisements for dirt bikes, like a 500cc two-stroke. It usually says um, ridden once or ridden twice. (laughs) You know exactly what happened in that scenario. I've actually sold a couple of surfboards that were just a too high performance for me as well. And I've just written that in the app. I wrote great ads. I've sold a whole bunch of boards lately or like within a few days and I'll just write, you know, this board is way too fast for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and people, like they're very attracted to that type of thing. Yeah. The other questions are, if you were speaking to someone who's just coming into the online world, maybe they've sold a service, so they've dabbled, they might have made $10,000 with their first iteration and they're sort of umming and ahhing about platform, you know, $300 a month or $150 a month sounds like a lot for a tool that they could probably glue together a free page builder and a one-time or cheap cart. What would you say to them in terms of the mindset around having a professional business versus being that band-aid hobbyist? Because this is something I do encounter at the lowest rung on the ladder. The first rung, they're like, they don't want to go to rung two They're always looking for cheap, and I'm just wondering what your advice would be for them. Yeah, would be the same thing years ago when we used to have physical courses where we had CDs and DVDs and printed manuals. And I remember talking to my partner and saying, well, you know, let's print these and put them together ourselves. We can save a lot of money rather than paying a fulfillment house to do that. 
And he said, no, Peter, where we want to go and where we want to grow this business, our time is much too valuable to be putting courses together. We're going to bite the bullet. I forget if we ordered 500 or 1,000 the first time around. But you know, when you have a warehouse full of courses, now the cool thing is now with like 10X Pro, you can totally publish a course and it's all digital, right? You know, it's videos and it's PDFs and it's audio content, which is amazing compared to what we used to have to do. But I think if someone's going to build a business, they can either decide to dabble and have a little piece together type of business that never gets off the ground, or they can look at the big picture and say, you know, how do I choose the right tools that I'm going to be able to grow with? And, uh, you know, we talked earlier in the call here about you you get something and you're already using it, then it's hard to switch and change and all the hassle and trouble with that. Why not go with something like 10X Pro to start with? That allows you to do, you know, most everything. I mean, you end up over time adding other services on because maybe you want a little something fancier or, you know, there's always different things that you can look at getting. But uh, why not look at the business that you want to build and go out and build it? Number one. Number two, the cool thing about online and the information business, I think, is that everything is really a test, right? It's what is the market telling me? So you can go, you can put something together. And even if you totally bomb in your first iteration of getting out there and putting together a sales funnel or a page or a presentation or whatever, you've got, you've got results. What are your results? Well, we had, you know, 30 people that showed up and no one bought. Well, that's great. That's great feedback, right? How can you get better? You know, you can go from there. And really, if you look at the costs of an online business compared to a brick and mortar business or anything where you, you know, you have to have offices and staff and secretaries and phone systems and all that, all that stuff just literally falls into your lap these days, you know, especially when you're using a tool like 10X Pro to where anyone can get out there and take their skills, their uh, services, their abilities, and put together a program where they can go out and connect with people and start changing people's lives. Yeah, and you can do it for a dollar. I think you can trial it for a dollar. So you've got a month to build it and see if you can make a dollar back. And if not, you can cancel it. And if you can, then <laughs> roll on. You know, like it's pretty low risk. Yep. You know, I'm fortunate now we're just setting up a book funnel, but when we take an order, then we can actually print on demand and ship. Like we don't have to have a garage full of stock. So you can connect these tools through your CRM provider or through your 10X Pro webhooks. You can actually connect to these things that will do things after an order that still integrate with physical goods if you want to do. I'm not suggesting e-commerce, but I'm saying if you want to do DVDs, you want to do books, or you want to send out a thud pack of welcome gifts, you can have all of that hooked in and automated. So that's pretty cool. What's your advice for someone who has a setback? Say you had a physical injury, other people have different types of setbacks, but I imagine you reflected a lot on your trip over the mountains. Yeah. I don't know if you journaled or not, and I'm sure I'm looking forward to reading your book when it comes out about it, but why don't you tell us what was the deep insight, you know, when you touched inside your soul and you, I don't know whether you did mushrooms or anything, but <laughs> I'm sure you had some profound epiphany that, you know, reset your life and got you to where you're at today. Yeah. What can you share with us on that note? Yeah. Well, first off, as as hard as it's been to go through more intense pain than anyone probably has a right to feel in their life, I wouldn't change anything. My experience in hiking the entire Appalachian Trail has been incredible. I've met people who have lived in chronic pain their entire lives. I met a kid who his ligaments were loose. His hips were halfway disjointed for two and a half years. Every time he got up on the extra table, they would click back in place and they'd x-ray it and it looked fine and they couldn't figure it out. I've met these people who just really struggle. So it's given me a whole new appreciation for life. Drug-wise, I did 
I mean, if you guys read the book, you'll get to read about the night that I experimented with something I hadn't tried in 30 years, ended up keeling over, got knocked out. And uh, they called 15 medics to come rescue me on the Appalachian Trail. So <laughs> that's in the story. So, oh, wow. but uh, I think the biggest thing was time. I mean, I think probably most of the people that, you know, listen to you might be following this podcast for you, James, they're go-getters, right? They want to do more, be more, live a bigger, better life, have lifestyle and freedom. The downside to that is we're always looking ahead to the future, right? We're always building and wanting to, you know, be financially secure. And one of the things I got out of hiking was, hey, I need to just enjoy this moment. I need to listen to the birds, you know, in the trees and the woodpeckers. And I had time to think about all the funny little things my kids did over the years and just really appreciate being now and in the moment. And so since I went on my hike, I think I'm much better able to enjoy the present moment and enjoy everything we have. I mean, life's short, right? We're here for a short time. We need to enjoy the time we're here and make the most of it that we can. That's it. You know, don't save your good stuff for the special day. Every day is a special day. It's um, yep. a good takeaway I got from a fraudulent uh, social media megastar. <laughs> he, was always, <laughs> he was always pictured with nice stuff, but he said, you know, don't save it for a special occasion. I thought that was a good takeaway. I can get inspiration from anyone, yep. you know, if it's appropriate. It's an interesting theme because I think my next guest that I have scheduled on the podcast is a guy who built businesses, sold businesses, but he was saying in his book that he was always thinking about work. And even if he was somewhere else where it wasn't work and he was thinking about work, there was nothing left for his family or people around him. He just basically was in this dark cave of future pace work. And he didn't even know why he wanted all of those things. And I can relate to this. You can relate to this. We do get caught up. I, I remember years ago, I used to really think about work a lot. It was kind of a obsession. When you discover the power of the internet and how it's always open and it's unlimited, it's like a game you can play that has infinity levels and you keep seeing the potential rewards. So it's, it's important. I think for me, surfing was my grounding and it's changed my life profoundly. I'm thankful I didn't have to go through a big physical accident to get there. But I, I also feel like this is a message it's kind of lost on a lot of 20 and 30 somethings who have just got this ball tearing desire to be significant and to make their $10 million and right. to get that acceptance they're craving. And they will just go through it anyway, no matter what we say. And then in their 40s and 50s, they'll say, yeah, we hear you. You were right. <laughs> I had to do it for myself. It's just, it's just part of being a man, I think, in some ways. But you know, I don't want to exclude women from this. They also have their own challenges as well. They want their own identity in some cases to step away from the shadow of a stereotypical, you know, society idea of what a partnership looks like or what people's roles are. So I totally get that. I guess our message is don't wait for a disaster to reassess how things are going. I think whether it's the surfing, whether it's the trails, Find your thing where you can be away from the machine to contemplate, you know, what is important to you and how you want to live your life. Yeah. This is the knowledge we can offer at our stage. You're further down the track than I am. You've got more experience than I am in the, the online world, in life and in grandparenting. So that's why I like learning from my guests. Uh, come on and share such as you have, Peter. And why don't you give us a couple of resources? I don't know if you've got a name for your new book yet. I, Certainly, we will have people listening to this who are interested in property. So I want you to mention your book or whatever's appropriate. So go for it. Where can we find out about Peter Conti? Yeah. The book about my injury and the whole hiking adventure is called Only When I Step On It because that's my foot only hurt when I step on it. So only when I step on it. 
probably just go into Amazon. I don't know when you're publishing this, but it'll be up there probably within a month or so from uh, right now today. It's probably around about the time we go live. Yeah. And then um, for people interested in commercial real estate, I always recommend they start off with my book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, which was published through the Dummies brand, which was a whole great fun adventure of doing a dummies book. And you can get a free copy of that if you go to petersfreebook.com. I'm giving away a thousand copies right now as part of a special promotion. You do have to pay the shipping and handling, but you get the book and a bonus training that were some modules that I put together a number of years ago, which uh, contains some of the very best negotiating strategies that I've ever developed over the years. Comes as a free bonus with the book. So that's at petersfreebook.com if you're interested in commercial real estate. If you don't want passive streams of income coming in, then definitely not for you. Don't go there. How's that for a takeaway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well, the salesperson in me appreciates that. The negotiation is so popular right now that it's, I think, the number one class on Masterclass is the Chris Foss training. Oh, is it really? On negotiation. Uh, wow. Yeah, and, and I feel being a good negotiator is a missing skill in society. I, just for that alone... That's worth doing because whether you're working out what movie to see with your partner or trying to figure out a meal plan with your kids, negotiation is a really handy skill to have. It doesn't have to just be to buy a commercial property. And I will say that's a life skill. I taught my kids that very early on and it's helped them immensely when they're encountering different situations. They seem to navigate through it differently to other kids. So I think that's a great skill to have. Peter, thanks for coming and sharing your personal story, your business story, what you've been up to with your platform, and hopefully, uh, you know, spend a lot of time with your grandkids and life's great for you. I appreciate you coming on this show. This will be episode 822 at superfastbusiness.com. If you want the transcript, we provide that there. And uh, we put a little show notes digest if you want to recap what we talked about today with Peter. Thank you so much, Peter. Awesome. Thanks for having me, James. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.